Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast, where I am about to introduce the newest ESG Fitness Coach. Hello, Maureen. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. This is like a bit mad. It is a little bit mad, isn't it? It's a bit surreal. I headhunt all of my coaches, so I never really do. I think now and again, like I've tried applications, but I just much prefer to watch people from a little bit of a distance for a prolonged period of time and then swoop in and be like, will you come and coach with me? And fortunately, Maureen said yes. So it's not really like we're meeting for the first time or that you're particularly new to me, but you will be new to the listeners. And I'm very excited to have you involved in Commit 6. I'm sure everybody in there is going to be very excited to have you as well. It's already an awesome community. And I know that you've been quietly in there for the last <laughs> couple of like at least a month or so spying things in and, and figuring out how things work so I'm very excited to finally be able to be like yes you're here you're going to be doing check-ins you're going to be taking on clients and I thought it'd be a good time for people to get to know you a little bit yeah thanks wow what an intro <laughs> you're welcome yeah um so I would say one of the things that drew me to you as a coach and why I wanted you on board is that you take more of a, a therapeutic approach. So I would say one unique thing that you do is, I guess when people are stuck in that phase of, I kind of know what to do, but I'm still not doing it. And I'm still repeating these cycles. And I, you know, I know, I think we even had something in Commit to Six today of like, and I know why I'm overeating, but I'm still doing it. Or I know what I should be doing, but the action part is very hard. And Really, that's what coaching is about, but that's what you are also very uniquely good at. So do you want to kind of talk on like why you coach and maybe what's slightly different about your approach and then like what you're going to bring to the coaching team? Yeah, so I guess why I coach, like I've always wanted to help people. Like from a young age, I was like, okay, I want to do something where it's involved with helping people, but I never really knew in what way. And I suppose it, only, it took me a long time to figure out that coaching might be an option. I was big into sport from a young age, but I never thought that I'd actually be able to make a career out of doing something like that, that I really enjoyed. Um, but I always knew oh, I wanted to help people on some capacity. And then I thought, OK, was that going to be like in some sort of a health field? Like my brother's a doctor. I was kind of thinking, would I go down into the medicine route? Like, would I become a nurse? Would I, I, I didn't really know, but I, I knew I just knew that it was helping people. I'm an optician. I was a I was an optical assistant mm, okay slightly different but anyway um but yeah I, I just knew that I wanted to help people but I also felt in every job that I was in I also always felt like that okay no this isn't it this isn't it this isn't it I always felt like unfulfilled so mm -hmm. I kept on trying until I figured out that I this was the route to go down and it, it literally happened by me hiring my own personal trainer Eventually, I had tried like different things in the past because I have struggled myself with, with weight and different things like that. That was probably part of the reason why I didn't think going into helping people through like activity or in this sort of a way before would have been the thing to do because I thought, oh, sure, I'm not like your typical fitness person. I don't look like your typical fitness person. Who am I to do that? But obviously knew that that <laughs> was not the best way to be thinking about it. But that's what probably did stop me before. I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to make a career out of this. 
Um, but eventually then I, I kind of, as I got older, I realized and I had my own PT, I realized, Jesus, I'm really into this. And I think I had been following like yourself, Amelia, a lot of people at the time. And I was really, really into fitness, but I, it wasn't that I was just into it. Like I wanted to know the ins and outs of, of it and like. I wanted to, I was constantly looking up stuff and I was like, oh, I want to tell people about this or like, you know, I know people struggle with this. I could help them with that. And I, and I, that's how I kind of got into it, where I knew that I'm really into this and I'm passionate about it. And I'm also passionate about helping people. So then I kind of copped on that I was able to combine the two. And I also have this like burning desire to not even just with health and fitness, but in some way to actually help people see their true potential. Like I always kind of find myself questioning people and, and pushing them a bit more than maybe they would have pushed themselves. Can I just jump in here? One of genuinely one of the reasons that I wanted you is because you push me and not that many people do that. Um, at least within like our little kind of like echo chamber within fitness, but like you'll ask me tough questions and I also love that, like, if I say something and you're like, huh, I don't know if I fully agree with that or what about in this situation, like, you'll give your opinion and it, and it like, creates, like, a good discussion, healthy debate. Um, But I think you are, you're uniquely good at that. If I'm like, yeah, well, because that's how I want to do it. It's like, well, but why? Like, what's the underlying reason behind that? And are you just doing that to run away from this or that? And I'm like, oh, anyway, <laughs> <we're gone." laughs> Yeah, but that's that's something that I just it's my natural instinct and I don't know where that comes from but I'm I naturally like to help people kind of get out of their own way a bit and realize that they are actually capable of more than they give themselves credit for and I suppose I like to do that for myself and I actually have done that in my own life and proved to myself that okay even though sometimes you might be thinking that you can't do things but you actually can and I like to kind of get other people to do the same so in a in a long-winded way, that's kind of why I coach. Like I really love helping people get out of their way and and see their true potential in all areas of life. But the fact that I, I'm really into like health and fitness as well, kind of it all combines together. Mm. I also think often the health and fitness aspect is like the catalyst for change for a lot of people. So a lot of people are like, I know I want to change my life, but that's big and scary and not really tangible and they don't know where to start and when you don't know where to start you end up not starting right so people are kind of just stuck in this like I'm not that happy where I am I know I don't want to be here but I'm not really sure what to do about it if you feel like that start with your health and fitness because you'll be amazed at what you do achieve and then when you start building like trust in yourself and capacity for the rest of your life but even like the trust element I think is really important if you're I always talk about making promises to yourself, right? This is why we set very achievable non-negotiables and then like your optimal targets is your non-negotiable is like a promise to yourself. It's the standards that you hold of yourself. So if you're saying non-negotiable, like yesterday I was like non-negotiable, I need to get 8,000 steps in. It was pissing down with rain. It was windy. It was horrible. So I, I like I ended up whatever walking on my shitty treadmill, but I still did it. And even though it was kind of like aimless, nobody else cares. Like literally no one cares. It's for me. It's the promise that I hold of myself. And I think when you start holding those standards of yourself and then meeting them and consistently meeting them and consistently showing up for yourself, that translates into all other areas of your life and the confidence that you get from that. Now, on the flip side of that, I think because your own body and your own health and your own fitness is so integral, like you can't get away from that. 
that when you're not feeling confident in yourself and in your body and in your fitness and showing up for yourself in those areas, that can negatively translate to the rest of your life as well. So you don't show up as well at work and things. And I guess my very elongated like point there is a lot of it, like I know you, you kind of said like broadly, I want to help people get out of their own way and fulfill their own potential. And you're like, and the way that I kind of do that because I'm interested in it is health and fitness. But I also think it is like, it's the catalyst. It's the fundamental. Once you start there, the rest of the things kind of like start to line up a little bit better. And even if the rest of life is very hard and for a lot of people it is, you've got a stronger capacity, like a stronger foundation to deal with all the shit that life is going to throw at you. And I think that's quite cool. And I think that's kind of where I see the translation to all areas of life. Yeah, it's like health and fitness is like the low hanging fruit. Like that's the easiest thing to kind of change first. And you kind of build that belief in yourself that, oh, I didn't think I was going to be able to do this with my health and fitness, but I've actually done it. I wonder what else I can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two other things I thought that you I wanted to touch on because you do uniquely well is one relationship with food type work. Now, I know that like both the points I'm going to touch on actually are things that you've worked on yourself as well as with a ton of clients as well. Um, I should mention that actually, Maureen's not like brand new. She has a ton of experience as a coach, has done EIQ, knows her shit very well. Um, But what would you say maybe you've learned or maybe you do differently about in relation to people's relationship with food, maybe when they are in that situation where they know that they're doing something that's not conducive to their goals, but from a psychological perspective, they feel a bit stuck. Like, I know I shouldn't be doing that, or I know that 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 isn't the behavior that I want to take. And I know what I should be doing, but I'm not doing it. Hard question. It is a hard question, yeah. But I think something that I notice with myself, and I suppose a lot of what I do is based on like lived experience. Like I have been in the thick of it myself, um, struggled for a long time and knew what I needed to do, but just could not do it. Like literally could not do it. But I think something that I see is that people nearly hold themselves so close and tightly and identify as the problem. Like I am the problem. And when you identify as that, you're so like emotionally attached to the problem or to the struggles that you're having and you're like, nearly berating yourself you you have blinkers on you can't see the bigger picture you can't see all the other aspects that maybe somebody else might be able to see um somebody else might say oh well this could be the problem you're like no that's not the problem I am the problem so I think a common thing is people are so like attached to the problem and identify with the problem that they can't look at the bigger picture or they can't view it from a different perspective. And that's something that I definitely work on with people. And I've had to learn myself is that you have to learn to distance yourself from the problem so that you can actually observe it from a different set of eyes and look at it objectively rather than being totally judgmental on yourself, thinking, oh, you can't do this because you're useless or because you failed at every other diet in the past. The common denominator in every other diet is you. You're the reason that none of this is working. But it's not actually it's like there are other underlying things. Now, again, it depends on the spectrum of like relationship with food of where somebody kind of falls on that spectrum. But a lot of the time, if you're really, really struggling, it's not actually to do with the food. It's to do to do it like your mindset, the way you talk to yourself, your beliefs about certain things. And if you can create a bit of space between you and the situation 
I think that can be a key factor in actually breaking the cycles that you've been stuck in for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, just to pull on this, because um, one point that I've heard you make before is that it, it like it normally isn't the food, right? The food, like the overeating or the comfort or whatever, like you're using the food to get something or often to avoid something else. So whether that's like avoiding feeling lonely or whether it's to get comfort, it's like once you figure out what that is, not only does it kind of take the pressure off you or like your self-imposed kind of like judgment because you're like, well, this is why I'm doing it. Okay, it makes sense. There's a reason for it. Now I can change it. If I know that I'm lonely, what else can I be doing that's serving me or that's going to like make me feel less lonely? Or if I'm looking for comfort, what are other ways that I can get comfort that aren't always overeating? And hey, sometimes comfort eating might be fine, but that shouldn't be my only resource. And then I also really liked what you say about, I think so many people identify as the problem always. And and because they are like, this is my story. This is my truth. Every diet that I've tried, it's not works. And it's like, normally the problem is your, your selection of diets and that you're always going for the quick fix. Now I get that. Like, I, you know, if you can get results quickly, what, why wouldn't you want to go for the quick fix? But you need to learn from your mistakes and get the perspective that you're talking about and be like, the reason that I fail on every diet isn't because I'm a failure. It isn't because I'm incapable of losing fat. It's because I jump on over-restricted diets or it's because I give up at week two when the scales haven't dropped as much as what I thought. Or it's because I think I need to lower my calories after two days when I've not seen incredible results. And you, you normally, it's something that you're doing and it's not like, it's definitely not an ability problem. You are completely capable. Everyone is capable but it's the way that you've set that up. And then there's kind of like the emotional side of, are you using food for something else? And then there's the more like practical side of, are you just picking quite silly over-restrictive diets that actually nobody could stick to? Not long-term anyway. And and a lot of diets set you up for failure, right? Because they don't think about the maintenance phase. And that's something that we do very differently. And then I I would say another um, branch to that is your environment. And people don't think about that enough. They're like, oh, always overeating. It's like, look at the way that you've literally set yourself up for failure by surrounding yourself with food or making the easiest option, like the option you don't want to go for and and being like, oh, well, if I wanted fruit, I'd have to go to the shop and get it versus being like, there's always fruit in the house. If I want chocolate, I'm going to have to go out my way to get it. So there's, there's a few aspects there, but yeah, something that I think you nicely pull together, that being in that kind of situation of like, I know what to do, but I'm not doing it. There's often a lot more to it. And it's, you know, this is where coaching comes in and it's not just, well, here's your calories. I've set them for you based on your needs. Go and eat them. It's like, okay, cool. Now you're struggling with that. Why are you struggling? What's stopping you? What's your environment look like? What's your mindset look like? Why, what are you using food for? Yeah. And like, it is a broad thing. And I think like it is learned behavior and and making these changes is behavior change. I know everyone really focuses on, oh, I have to do X amount of workouts or I have to eat X amount of calories, but it's more down to your behaviors over time and all the behaviors that you've done in the past, like you've learned them. And like, as you said, your environment matters. Like if you grow up in a house where it's the norm to eat massive portions of food, like you're going to grow up eating massive portions of food, like you don't know any different. So it's changing those behaviors. And I think people think that that's going to happen quicker than it actually does. And it's being able to 
like accept that it is going to take a bit of time, but also to like increase your sense of self-awareness around all of the things that contribute to those learned behaviours. I think that's something that a lot of people like we weren't taught about our emotions or how to regulate ourselves um, or any of that in school. Like we were just thrown into life and kind of told, oh, well, you figure it out for yourself. And it's kind yeah, of like, but here's Pythagoras theorem. So yeah, yeah you're going to need go. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Katoa. <laughs> um, yeah, agree. Uh, why did I just write here something that I can't actually read anymore? Yeah, no, I can't, I can't read that. I can't read what I wanted to say. Sorry about that. Well, that's all right. The the last thing I wanted to cover on this just short kind of intro episode was um, a little bit on ADHD, which is something we both, um, I was going to say suffer from, thrive. We don't suffer. <laughs> no, we, we thrive. We thrive, we thrive yeah. Sometimes. Um, but that can also have a big impact on, I was going to say relationship with food, not so much relationship with food, but like impulsivity around decisions often translating to impulsivity around food choices um something I talk about a lot and I think I'm so passionate about this because it I would say it's one of the like founding things that has changed my life for the better in like every single area of life and that's to be able to pause and make a response instead of reacting to things and I think sometimes I'll get questions like oh yeah but like how do you do that isn't it so hard I would say I'm probably predisposed more than well by having an ADHD diagnosis more than the vast majority of people to be impulsive so it's something after what you know like it does take work it does take reminding yourself I don't get it perfect all the time and actually this this was the thing I wanted to touch on Re, what you were talking about is having realistic expectations of you will still mess up but this time you're going to learn from it and you're not going to beat yourself up and instead of like I don't know getting two weeks into a diet and then overeating one night and thinking well, I've absolutely screwed up. No, no, no. You're going to frame it as you overate once in two weeks versus previously that was overeating like every single night. That's a freaking massive win. Now we learn from it. We figure out what happened. What was the situation? What maybe is that there's some triggers in there. Then we get back on track. That's it. And it'd be the same, like, you know, like I'll have points where like I might snap at someone and I'm like, I reacted to that, not responded to that. And then I, I like acknowledge that. I think about how I could do better the next time. And then it happens less. It doesn't mean that I am never going to like, bam, react to someone. Or I'm never going to overeat or I'm never going to, I don't know, do something in, in on a whim that I didn't want to do. It's just now I take a step back afterwards and I'm like, I shouldn't have done it that. And I'm going to learn from it. So it happens less. And I think that's one of the biggest things for people, especially when they're struggling with, I don't know, like bouts of overeating or things. They think when they've screwed up once, they've absolutely wrecked it. And this is partly why I've I've created our own imperfect action tracker, because that, like basically beating yourself up after screwing up once in, in a long period of time is essentially what streaks um push you towards doing. Cause it's like, oh, I don't know, say you say you were counting the days of which you hadn't overeaten or you'd stuck to your calories or something like that. And then you mess up one day, it feels like you're back to day zero because you are, because that's how streaks work, right? Versus taking a bigger picture of you and being like, wow, over the last 14 days, I've overeaten twice. 
that's like magnitudes better than what I was doing before. This is what progress looks like. Mm -hmm. It's again about changing your perspective and changing how you view the situation. It's like, you know, training your mind. It's like going into the gym. Some days you feel amazing. You can bang out all the reps. Another day you had a shit sleep. You're tired. You're not able to lift as much. You'd planned on doing 10 reps. You only got eight. Like you're probably not going to, to beat yourself up or never go to the gym again because you only got your eight reps out of 10. So the next day you're just going to go in and you're just going to try again. And it's the same thing with changing your mindset. It's like you are, are training your mind all the time to look at things differently and to be able to respond rather than react. But it's not just going to happen instantly. And like you said, it's the the reduction of episodes of like overeating or something that causes you negative feelings will reduce, but they're never going to ever just be totally gone. Like, yeah. and don't, don't not to expect them to just be magically gone forever. And I think that's the thing with mindset change. It, even if you're looking at like, I don't know, body image, changing your mindset around things, being more positive, you don't just read one book or listen to one podcast or to, you know, like, and it's just bam. But actually, especially if you consistently, this is why we do so many podcasts on Commit to Six. It's like, if you listen to every single episode over a six week period and then go to the backlog as well, like we will brainwash you into feeling and thinking a different way or thinking a different way, which will end up in feeling a different way. And it won't happen overnight. And that isn't what's going to happen. But you'll wake up one day and be like, oh, that used to really annoy me. Or, oh, I used to always... I don't know look in the mirror 20 times before I left the house and I've just left the house and not even thought about doing it and it will feel like it happened overnight but it doesn't it happens over a prolonged period of time and then you look back and you're like wow I used to not you know like someone just asked me out for dinner and I was like yeah I'd love to come instead of thinking oh my god where are we going will there be calories on the menu I'm already going out for dinner that week so actually no I'll just say no straight out and it's like those changes they take time but they're so worth it absolutely agree and that uh in a nutshell is what Maureen is very good at so again very excited to have you here and um you'll be hearing lots more from Maureen yeah thanks for having me and I'm actually buzzing to get going good if you have listened to this and you're like do you know who I really want to work with Maureen Woo! <laughs> head over to esgfitness.co.uk fill in the application form tell us a little bit about you and then let's see if we can help you. All right.